Hey, I want to welcome you to our New Life online experience, especially during this month of December when we get to celebrate Advent and Christmas, and we are literally days away uh, from Christmas. And I hope this season has been a powerful one for you to, to begin to prepare your heart as you move towards uh, this celebration of the birth of our Savior. So I'm glad you're here to be a part of this. Don't forget, like you saw at the very beginning of the video, there's all kinds of resources down below, different ways that, that you can give. And don't forget, during the month of November and December, uh, we want to give back to the ministries that we support. And so we're taking 10% of everything that comes in, and, and we want to bless ministries in our community, bless ministries in our region, over and above what we normally support them with. And so thanks for, thanks for being part of that. Thanks for stepping up and saying, you know, we, we want to see God's kingdom and the good things that he has for us move forward as we kind of come alongside uh, all who are serving God during, uh, during this season. So all those resources are down below. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, we just love to have you every week be notified when these uh, videos come up. Also, one last thing, next week, is uh, is our family service uh, on our campus uh, at both campuses, Turlock and Patterson. And so uh, kids are in the service. Uh, we just have kind of this post-Christmas time to just gather together to sing, to celebrate. Uh, again, that's going to be Sunday, December 26th. Love to have you come and be a part of that special day. I do have one more last thing. I thought that was the last one, but... Uh, even though I'm doing the online uh, video this week, know that on our campuses, I'm going to be live on our Turlock campus, and Pastor Jeremy is going to be live on our Patterson campus. We'd love to have you come again and, and join us. Well, today is this third weekend of Advent, and as I said earlier, the end of this week is Christmas. And these past few weeks, we have been walking through this season of preparation and expectation, and really even focus as we move towards the celebration of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to take them and turn to the book of Luke chapter 2. And this is where we see uh, kind of the, the main text of, of the Christmas story. It really only takes place in two parts in Scripture. There's Matthew chapter 1 and there's Luke chapter 2. And so I want you to get there to Luke and we're going to dive into that in just a few minutes. Well, we've been using the star as the picture of our journey that leads us to him. And just as that star of Bethlehem drew the wise men towards the Savior thousands of years ago, this season we're being drawn to the journey of hope and love and joy and peace that will connect us, not just to a star, but to the light of the world, Jesus himself. And so we have been looking at how this journey brings us to the source of hope, the adventure of love. And today we're going to look at the foundation of joy. You know, joy is, is kind of a weird thing. We, it's often misunderstood. And what often happens is we take joy and we confuse it with happiness. Now, I know there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of uh, kind of kind of bubbling over into each of those different arenas, but they're, they are different. They come from different places and they come really from different kinds of circumstances. And joy, as we see in scripture, regularly shows up in situations where we don't expect it. And the, and the circumstances aren't always great. The circumstances can be hard. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But joy is something deeper than just everything's going good. And 
uh, all my situations are good and there's no conflict or something really, really good just happened to me, so I'm happy. But joy comes from this deeper place that is foundational more in our lives. And our circumstances can be very different, but joy can be that deeper thing within us. Take the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. I don't know if you've ever noticed, because I'm sure you've heard it and you've read through it, that, that every time an angel shows up, the very first words out of the angel's mouth are, do not be afraid, right? We see it over and over again. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, they all hear the same thing. Don't be afraid. You can even go back into the Old Testament when the angel of God would show up. They would often say a similar thing. Don't be afraid, you know, be strong and courageous. It was these kind of encouraging words. But when you look at the shepherds, they kind of give us a good picture of this experience. Now, shepherds were pretty rugged. They, they lived their life outdoors, often in wild, remote areas. They had to fight off predators to protect their sheep. They would have been prefer, prepared to fight off, you know, bandits and thieves if, if, if they came to, to steal. And in the, the biblical account of Luke chapter 2, they had strength in numbers that night. There wasn't just one shepherd. There weren't just two, but there were, there were a group of shepherds together. And when that angel appeared in the night sky, the angel had to tell them, don't be afraid. Which, by the way, is code for, I know you're freaking out right now, but I've got something to tell you. And that's what was going on. Now, here's how the Bible describes the scene. If you're there in Luke chapter 2, look at verse 9. So suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. There's that phrase, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now, the angel had good news for these guys. You might even say the angel had the best news ever proclaimed for these guys. And this was news that was going to cause great joy for all people. Now, the angel and this host of angels that came along with him uh, brought the world's greatest birth announcement ever. But first, that angel had to help the shepherds get past their fear get past that uncertainty that, like, what in the world is going on here? I mean, put yourself in their shoes. This is not like a typical night. This is, this is not, oh, we've been through this before, or hey, my dad told me about a time like this. This is unprecedented. And they're seeing something, and it's, it's causing all this fear and doubt and anxiety and all these things to kind of rise up. For this angel, after he had told them the good news, suddenly the whole sky was filled. And, and they were awestruck by all this. Look, look at these next verses on Luke 2. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Well, these passages become our starting point as we follow the star on this journey of joy. And, and as we do it, I want us to take a look, a deeper dive into joy. Because if the angel said that 
you know, this is going to bring great joy to all people, the birth of the Savior. And there's something, there's something that's, that's foundational in this. And so I want us to, to look at that. But we're going to have to look at the tension that we often experience as we try to understand and navigate through what joy really is. So if you downloaded one of our note sheets, uh, I want you to write this in for the first one. Joy and pain often happen at the same time. Let me say that again. Joy and pain often happen at the same time. Now, I know those are kind of hard words to hear because we don't really want to go there, but these two are often coexisting in the same space. You know, there, there are so many amazing organizations around the world that are working to bring clean water to villages and communities. Now, this is going to tie in, so hang with me, because we know that unsafe drinking water contributes to illness uh, and, and literally millions of deaths around the world uh, every single year. I remember a few years ago, our daughter uh, went with a friend of hers and, and they were raising money for the clean water project through World Vision uh, to, to get a well into a village. And they raised a lot, quite a bit of money to, to help make that happen. We also had a team a number of years ago go down to Belize and they put in a, a whole uh, kind of pipe system to get water clean drinking water into the homes of a village down there uh, so that that community could be uh, at a different place. So it's really powerful. You're going to see on your screen a, a picture. And uh, uh, if you've ever seen pictures like this where there's some village, there's some place, and they've put in, you know, through Clean Water Project or one of these, they've put in uh, a well and a tap. And you'll see, like in that picture, a crowd of people standing around it, waiting to fill up uh, a bucket or a container or a pitcher or something where they can bring that clean water home. It's powerful. And if you look at that picture, the smiles on their faces says it all. I mean, you are looking at pure joy. Now, here's what I want you to kind of see through this. There are other aspects of their lives, as you saw that picture in this village, that there are other things that didn't change in that. Oftentimes, they're still living with uh, reduced food. I mean, sometimes even into deep famine. Sometimes there's uh, government chaos. There, there may be all kinds of rebels and insurgents that happen in some of these remote places. So it's not like everything just suddenly got better and everything is, is really good. But here's the thing. Even though they still have to cope with hardship and pain, there's this joy because the clean water impacts every part of their lives, bringing safety and health and opportunity to them, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And that's kind of the challenging thing about joy. It seems the natural reaction for most of us is think that the joy could only come when pain is removed. But the reality is in our broken world, joy and pain often exist side by side. In fact, I, I'll even go so far as to say, I don't know that you can separate joy and pain. Because our lives are this constant back and forth. I don't even want to say the word balance because that's kind of like a unicorn. I don't know that it really exists, but 
we, sphere, we, we veer between joy and pain as we walk through the different experiences in life. And it seems it is often the pain or the struggle, I want you to hear this, that magnifies the joy. And it's here in this tension that the message of the angels is for us as well, where they said, don't be afraid. Now, have you ever wondered what makes fear rise up in us, right? What, where, where, does, where does fear come from? Well, I, I was diving into it a little bit and I was reading some things and, and it seems to me, and there's no exhaustive list on this, but it seems like fear comes from several different sources. Obviously, danger is one. There's also fear that comes when things are uncertain and, and we're just not sure. Fear also comes from things that are unknown to us. Now, you could say all of those things trigger back to this kind of danger place, and, and that, that may be true, but there are nuances to it when we, when we see things that just, we're just uncertain, and so it brings up all the what-ifs, and those what-ifs put us in those places of fear. So think about this. Have you ever felt fear when you're, when you're not, just not sure what's next? Like, like maybe you graduated, or if you can remember back when you graduated from high school or college, and yet the next step wasn't figured out yet. And so there's this fear, like, I don't know. And that's a very real place for us. Sometimes there's that uncertainty. So if you've ever had some tests run, maybe there's, you're having some health issues, or there's something going on, and you get a test or you have a biopsy and you haven't heard back yet. And there's just this uncertainty about what will life be for me? Am I gonna be okay? Am I not okay? Is it gonna be clear? Is it gonna be cancer? For some of you, maybe in these last couple of years when you haven't been feeling well and you go in for you know, a COVID test and you're going, what does this mean? And so it brings up some of that fear. And of course, danger. And that, that kind of fear can make us respond in all, in all kinds of ways. So I, I, I'm going to just publicly say this. Um, I'm afraid of snakes. Okay? I have a fear of snakes. I don't like them. I don't want to touch them. Uh, if you have snakes for pets in your house, I, personally, I think there's something wrong with that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And in all honesty, I probably don't want to go to your house. I just don't like snakes. I don't like going to the reptile house at the zoo. And before you say it, yes, I know they're behind glass and it's all protected. But I've been in those places and you know what goes through my mind? If there's an earthquake right now, all that glass is going to break and those snakes are going to come out. I just don't like snakes. And I've had people have snakes and tell me, look at this, it's just a garter snake or, or some other kind of non-poisonous snake. Look, you, you, you can pet it. I want you to hear me clearly. It doesn't matter. I don't like them. I don't want to touch them. I am afraid. Now, you may sit there and watch this and put on your psychologist hat and say, hmm, it's very interesting. That's kind of an irrational fear. Maybe you had an encounter when you were young that kind of stirred that fear? Well, my answer to that is, first of all, it's not 
irrational. It's very rational. You should be afraid of snakes. Second, I didn't have an encounter with I, when I was young. There's been no negative encounter in this whole thing. I purposely stay away from snake encounters. Now, do you see what fear does? It clouds our thinking. It shifts our perspective. We, we can't quite process through things because fear has this way of taking hold. Now, the truth is, I don't like snakes, but that's really the least of my worries. I think about other fears that I have, other insecurities, other things that can take hold, that can keep me from sleeping well at night, things that can take my breath away, things that can make me anxious and on edge. See, we all have those things, and fear drives all that. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds were looking at an angel, an angel. And there was this uncertainty, and there was definitely the unknown. And maybe that even stirred a little bit of danger, like, what does this mean? Is this the end of my life? And it brought fear. So here's my question for you today. What is it in your life? What circumstances, situations, relationships? I don't know. Your job, the future, your health, your finances. What is it that's causing fear right now? Or maybe where is the pain of life and the struggle clouding your thinking? What is it that feels like it's spinning out of control for you? When we're in those places, that's exactly where the words of the angel can penetrate deeply and powerfully. Because this is God's message for you. This is, these are his words to you and to me. Do not be afraid. Now, it's not a do not be afraid, like shaming and condemning, like you shouldn't feel that way. That's not it at all. It's an assurance thing of you don't have to go to a place of fear because there is good news of great joy and it's for you and it's for me. In the book of James, uh, he takes this concept a step further and he says, we're to consider trials or challenges, whatever we want to call them. And he says, when you, when you face those, consider it pure joy. Here's what it says in James 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now I'm going to pause there for a second because I realize I lost most of you. Because you're going, whoa, hang on, time out. When troubles of any kind come my way, so loss of loved one, loss of a job, conflict, struggle, marriage strife, personal addictions, I mean, all those things. When trouble, I, I'm supposed to consider it an opportunity for great joy? James says, yeah. He says this, for, when, for you know that when your faith is tested, when you're in that, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, James isn't saying that we will reach this place of absolute perfection in our life. We know that here on this earth, none of, that's not possible at all. But our faith will be at a different place. Now, I know this sounds contradictory, but 
it isn't a suggestion that you just go ahead and fake it and slap a smile on it and say, well, I'm fine. You know how we sometimes say to people when we're going through hard stuff and they go, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good, doing great, you know? And we know we're not, but we just kind of fake it. So that's not what this is about. James is giving us an encouragement that even in the midst of hardship, there is a longer, broader view a truth that shows us that our trials can lead us to grow and become mature in our faith. And while growth isn't easy, it can be filled with joy. Now, I really want you to hear this. We don't have joy because we're in pain or because we're in a trial or because circumstances are hard. That's not what James is saying. Like, I am so joyful that I have cancer. I'm so joyful that I lost my job. That's not it at all. He's not saying that, that because of those things, joy comes. He's saying that in the midst of those things, that uncertainty, that pain, that trial, that challenge is building and accomplishing something more within us. So my joy is in God. My joy is in Jesus. He's not leaving me alone in this that he'll be my strength and my supply. It may still be hard. It may still be painful. It probably will be. But in the midst of that, he's building something deep. I've often likened it to, uh, you know, if you lift weights or go to the gym or whatever. I don't know if you know the actual physiology of lifting weights, but you're actually breaking your muscle down. That's why the next day you might be sore or if you've gone for a long walk or a hike and you have muscles you haven't used in a long time, think, ah, I'm so sore. Because in your exertion, you were actually tearing those muscles. You were breaking them down. Guess what? It's painful. It hurts. It's not, it's not fun. It's like, oh, this is so great that I'm going through this. So why do people keep going back to the gym? Why do you keep doing that? Why do, why do you keep taking those steps? Because you know it's accomplishing something beyond the pain, right? You're getting in shape. You're getting healthier. uh, You're, you know, more able to engage with your kids, your grandkids, or your loved ones. You're, You're extending your quality of life. All those things come, not because you're glad you have pain, but because through the pain, it's doing something more. That's what this is. There's joy beyond this. And as we journey to Jesus, we can experience joy that comes from understanding that there is more than the pain that we're facing. There's a deeper reality at work. There is the presence of Jesus within us that can nourish and refresh and cleanse and renew us. All right, it's time for number two. Joy and connection go together. Joy and connection go together. So that picture uh, of the joy on people's faces in that clean water picture that we, we put up. Uh, you remember, the, remember their faces in that? Here's what I want you to think about in that picture. Nobody in that picture is alone. They're together. There isn't just one person who's super excited and filled with joy. It's everybody. The same is true about the good news of Jesus and Christmas. This good news of great joy is for all people. That's what the angels said. Life-giving joy is meant to bubble over and touch those around us. The thing is, is that joy, joy can't help itself. 
Everyone has the chance to embark on a journey of joy because Jesus came to save all of us. In fact, the coming of Jesus and the promise of his coming again are the foundation of joy in all creation. Jesus came to set things right and to redeem the entire world from sin and death. And the good news isn't just for shepherds 2,000 years ago. And just so we don't get too too focused and and, and too kind of inwardly drawn, this good news isn't just for Americans. The good news is for everyone in every every place. The Bible uses this phrase of in every tribe and nation, every every ethnicity. It, It doesn't matter what you can't be constrained by borders or governments or nationalities. It's not going to be limited to a certain IQ strata or, or a, a social standing or financial means. It's not limited or, or categorized in any of those ways. It's, it's so far beyond that because joy and connection, this idea for all of us together, is, is at the core of it. King David wrote about this all-encompassing, resonating joy in Psalm 96. He wrote this, let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout its praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. Now there was a lot of nature in that, right? Fields and crops and trees and forest. What's David saying? He's saying, man, this is is for all of creation. This gift, this joy, this this deeper inner work, it's for all of us. See, fear and pain can isolate us, but joy brings us connection. And the joy of Jesus coming goes out to all the world, all the earth, connecting us to himself and connecting us to each other. Write this down for the last one. Let joy in Jesus lead us to worship. So what's our response to joy? So if this is something that that in Christ is welling up within us. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's not tied to any of those things. So when we think about this good news of great joy, what do we do with it? What do we do when joy interrupts our everyday lives and sets up camp alongside just the the mundane things of life, maybe even the painful things of life? How do we live in this balance of joy and pain until Jesus comes again? How do we grow and experience this joy that's offered to us? Well, sometimes it's easy to embrace joy. Sometimes our struggles and our hurts are so overwhelming that we're trapped and held captive by fear, right? Other sides. Joy can feel so far away, so distant, maybe impossible. And sometimes it seems so close. But the Bible shows us that the right response to joy We come back to the question, what do I do with joy? The right response to joy is always worship. It's always worship. Worship can also jumpstart joy in us. If we're feeling like it's distant and far off because I'm what in, worship can be the spark that ignites that as we fix our eyes on God and his greater reality rather than the problems or the fears that we're facing in the moment. In the Christmas story, the angel announced the good news of great joy. And then what did the angels do? They praised God. Glory to God in the highest, right? They shouted, they sang, they they celebrated. 
Then we see that the shepherds immediately went to see this Jesus and they worshiped him and they left telling everyone they met about what they had seen. Matthew tells us that the wise men also responded to joy with worship. Look at Matthew 2. It says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy and they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and what? Worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Think about all that for a minute. What might that have looked like? Shepherds going back to the field celebrating that they got to see the Savior. Wise men traveling all that distance after all that time. And they come and they see this Messiah and they bow down and they worship. It's more than a song. It was something with their heart. They let God's message of joy sweep away their fear. See, we can experience the same thing this Christmas as we journey to Jesus and live in the truth that he is here, right here, right now. The apostle Peter told us that our walk of faith in Jesus brings us a sense of joy. He wrote this, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And you may be watching this and you're thinking, that's all great, Dave. You seem pretty excited about that, but I'm not experiencing any joy in my life. I want to tell you, it's okay, I get it. The reality of our broken world is at odds with Christ's joy. And we, again, live in the tension of our physical realities and our spiritual realities. And this season that's all about good news and great joy that leads us to connection and worship can also be a hard time, a challenging time, a lonely time for too many. So what can you do when you find yourself there? Well, I'm going to give you three quick things. These are not on your sheet, but I just, what do I do with this? First, take the time to connect with some others. Because like we talked about, joy is contagious. When you're around others, there's There's something that happens. And just like the angels were messengers who sparked joy, the connections you make can spark the joy of Jesus in you. And instead of letting your own fear and your own pain isolate you, and I know this is hard, but allow yourself to step into and connect with the joy of others. You may have some people right now, neighbors, family members. You can let their joy spill over into your life. So connect. The second thing is this. Take time and make the choice to be purposely thankful. See, gratitude has a way of reminding us of joy and the reasons we have to rejoice. Don't you like that word? The re means to do it again. So rejoice again, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of pain. And by the way, that word is a verb. It's an action. It's practiced and it's repeated. It's really training in joy. And the third thing is, again, let's worship God for who he is. The circumstances of life have this way of stealing our joy, but even in those dark times, we can worship God, not just for what he does, not just for what he produces, but for who he is. That his love and faithfulness never changes. Despite the changing events of our lives, his goodness and his mercy never run out. And that's what we celebrate this Christmas. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Lord, as we travel through this week, as we journey through this week to the manger, to remember 
Jesus who was born, but didn't come to stay in a manger, didn't come to stay a baby. The Lord came to show us you. To, we could see what God is really like, to see his kindness and to see your, your mercy and your grace. God, we get to see those up close and personal in the flesh in Jesus. But ultimately, you sent your son to give up his life on a cross so that we could be forgiven and set free. And Lord, we rejoice in that good news. In the midst of all that pain, you brought life and hope and joy. So Father, we thank you for this Christmas season. And I pray for each person who's watching, listening, Lord, that this would be a different week for them. That they wouldn't just go through the presence and the lights and all those things, but Lord, it would be coming back to you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me leave you with this, Philippians 4. Paul wrote, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. I'm praying that this week, this, this week leading up, this Advent week, you would just really be able to connect with the Lord. And I pray that on Christmas, you would celebrate the birth of our Savior, the one who came to offer hope, the one to show love, and the one that, that brings us and leads us in joy. Have a great Christmas. Be blessed.